When the Catholic Church decided on its theme for this year's Synod of Bishops, not many people batted an eyelid. 2019's meeting, to be held in October in the Vatican, will be focused on the Amazon rainforest, more specifically the new paths for the Church and for an integral ecology. The Catholic Church's efforts to protect the natural biodiversity of the Amazon and the indigenous people living there are more or less universally accepted as being something positive, or at the very least something harmless. But try telling that to the Brazilian government. After the topic for this year's Synod was announced, Brazil's intelligence agency warned about the threat of the Catholic Church's involvement in the Amazon and its discussions of so-called leftist agendas. Reportedly, the Institutional Security Department intends to monitor the 23-day event this year, and the department, which oversees Brazilian intelligence and is headed by Army General Augusto Heleno, is, quote, concerned and intends to neutralise the debate. The relationship between indigenous populations, the Brazilian army, and the Catholic Church dates back over 100 years and has often been fraught and in some cases bloody. The election of President Jair Bolsonaro and the increasing influence of the military on the Amazon region has managed to bring these confrontations back to life. My name is Ewan Marshall, standing in for Gustavo Ribeiro, the editor-in-chief of The Brazilian Report, and this is Explaining Brazil. In order to get a bit of historical context on the relationship between the military and the indigenous populations, we spoke to Hobis Valenci, an award-winning journalist and author of the book The Rifles and the Arrows, which is a superb account of the struggles of indigenous tribes during Brazil's military dictatorship. The Service of Protection of the Indian, which was created in 1910, which antecedeu the FUNAI, the National Indian The Indigenous Protection Service was created in 1910 and included several members of the military, including Field Marshal Rondon. They were involved in grand explorations of the hinterlands of Brazil to build telegraph lines at the end of the 19th century. And through this contact, they developed a humanistic stance towards indigenous tribes, which until then didn't exist in the Brazilian state. He then goes on to say that with the help of journalists, liberal thinking professionals and anthropologists, they set up the Indigenous Protection Service, which was the Brazilian government's first real effort towards protecting indigenous peoples. But there was a catch. The underlying idea was to gradually integrate these indigenous peoples into non-indigenous society. The general idea was a positivist one, which considered Indians to be at an initial stage in the evolution of a citizen. This was the program in force for most of the 20th century in Brazil, and according to Hobins, it was a complete failure, as the vast majority of indigenous tribes had no interest in becoming a part of Brazilian society, and would much rather remain on their own land and following their own ancestral traditions. 
Then came 1964, when the Brazilian army took charge of the country in a military coup. The armed forces then set about launching vast infrastructure projects in the Brazilian Amazon under their so-called National Integration Plan. They saw Amazonia as an empty space. This is the term used in the military reports at the time. So, being an empty space, they understood it should be incorporated into the rest of the country. This vast integration plan ran into the indigenous peoples along the way. What the army said was empty was in fact superpopulated with several indigenous tribes living the lives of their ancestors. Brazil's authoritarian military government, known for its strength, would not allow for any of these native tribes to get in their way. If any communities were blocking their path, they would simply relocate them, which is a friendly term for interventions that often ended in starvation, disease and multiple deaths. In his book, The Rifles and the Arrows, Hobens Valenci describes one of the most emblematic cases of relocations carried out on behalf of the military government. It concerns the Aroate tribe in the northern state of Pará. I'll allow him to tell the story. The Arauetes were not initially in the way of an infrastructure project. What happened was that there was a conflict with another tribe, and the Arauete people appeared on the banks of a river in the northern state of Pará. The population then sought out the indigenous foundation so that they could do something about this tribe, either to move them or to help them build settlements or give them food. The military government at the time decided to transfer the indigenous people to a different region, chosen at random. So they relocated the tribe, moving them an estimated 100 kilometers, but they miscalculated the route. They thought they would find animals and water along the way, basic conditions for the tribe to make the journey. So they didn't take much food for the start of the journey. The result was catastrophic. The indigenous people just started dying on the journey, dying of hunger, because they couldn't find food easily. Calculations of the time indicated that 36% of the tribe died through this contact process. On this journey, around 45 indigenous people died. The tragedy of the Aroates is one of the best examples of the dictatorship's dealings with indigenous communities. Is they were seen as objects, animals, which could be pushed around at will and without any concern for their well-being. The indigenous policy of the military dictatorship can be summed up by the strength of their projects, the non-acknowledgement of the indigenous people's right to land, the view that indigenous people were obstacles to development, and that they had to be removed from any region which was home to a project of national interest. All of these characteristics are returning in 2019 with the Bolsonaro government. It's basically a repeat of everything that was done in the past, using the same terms, the same words, as well as the same mistaken concepts of what indigenous people want. More on that next.
Did you know that Brazil is the country with the second highest number of ransomware attacks in the world? That's when hackers try to steal your data and then ask for a ransom for their return. Perhaps the good people of FastHelp can help you avoid these unwelcome attacks. FastHelp is a Brasilia-based IT company that is focused on cybersecurity. Protect your business by teaming up with FastHelp. Go to fasthelp.com.br for more information on how to protect your company's virtual space. Since the dictatorship, the Brazilian state has maintained a non-contact policy with indigenous tribes. Reserves and demarcated lands have slowly been implemented and some efforts have been made to protect the Amazonian habitat as a whole. This could be about to change, however, after the election of President Jair Bolsonaro. Bolsonaro was elected on a broad platform, promising changes to public security and gun laws, fighting corruption and waging ideological crusades against what he sees as cultural Marxism. However, after 100 days in office, he hasn't really made many changes in these areas. You can read more about that in Natalia Scalzaretto's excellent roundup of Bolsonaro's first 100 days, and that's available on our website, Brazilian.report. However, one area he has made changes to is in his indigenous policy. As mentioned by Hobins Valencia a moment ago, the president is apparently seeking a return to the 1970s and the years of the military's national integration. Uh, what you can definitely say is that um, both as a lawmaker, president-elect, and now uh, as, as, as president, Bolsonaro has repeatedly said that... Um, uh, that the Amazon needs development. This is Mauricio Savarese, reporter for the Associated Press in Brazil. He says that part of that uh, will come sort of the expense of the of the reserves. He promised not to demarcate any more indigenous lands, uh, and that's a campaign promise he made because he thinks that uh, the the tribes are being used by international NGOs to keep a hold of the Amazon and uh, stop Brazil from developing the region. Here is where the 2019 Synod of the Catholic Church comes in. While there is no proof to back up the government's claims, the Catholic Church has always been more active in the Brazilian Amazon and working with NGOs. And under the more progressive guidance of Pope Francis, Bolsonaro and some of the military are starting to become wary of their involvement. The, the church in Brazil has historically being supportive of indigenous people. This is Paula Schmich, former correspondent for Radio France and SBT-TV and author of Spies, which is a book that takes a look at Brazil's history of intelligence. Apparently the preoccupation is more about preserving their lifestyle as also a means of preserving the Amazon. It's been um, sort of established that native reservations help preserve the original forest and vegetation and fauna as well. So there, if, you, if you overlap maps of uh, forest uh, deforestation and Indian reservations, you can see that uh, there is really a, a correlation between the preservation of Amazonian, uh, of the Amazon, of a part of the forest where Indians are uh, indigenous people are located because Bolsonaro and Augusto Heleno are quite vocal 
about wanting to change things in the Amazon as they are, especially as far as the determination of Indian peoples and uh, areas where they inhabit. Elsewhere, one of Jair Bolsonaro's most significant changes was in stripping the responsibility of demarcating indigenous lands from the National Indigenous Foundation. And then he handed it to the Agriculture Ministry, a government department which has long been at odds with Brazil's native communities. What we can definitely say that has been done and that is going to be done soon is that um, uh, there are new projects in the Amazon uh, that are uh, infrastructure projects that are getting a lot more of attention. And, and of course, companies that want to invest in the region uh, are very keen on, on coming if they think that they're not going to face the kind of troubles that they faced um, a few decades ago. So one of, one of those is the construction of an energy line through the Waimiri Atuari Reserve. The Waimiri Atuari Reserve is located in the Amazonian state of Horaima and was created by the military dictatorship in the 1970s when it forced two indigenous tribes who didn't get on with each other to share the same land. When they were doing the roads back in the 70s, uh, their idea was also to bring uh, the energy line because it could connect the state of Roraima, which wasn't even a state then, it was just a territory, according to Brazil's legislation. Uh, they want to link that with the rest of the grid and, um, and make it make it uh, blackout-free. Today, uh, Horaima has a clear issue with, uh, with energy. It's not a big state, but it's making Brazil import energy from Venezuela, a country that is crisis-ridden and very unlikely is going to be able to, 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 to support Horaima, uh, Horaima's needs. So they want to connect uh, Horaima's grid to the national grid, but that would have to be done with a lot of towers being built in the middle of the Waimiri Atroadi Reserve. They say they will do it starting next, uh, next June. Um, they announced that they would uh, also transform this, this into a matter of national security because uh, if, if, if judges accept that argument, that would uh, allow the government to start building the, the energy line without making any consultations to the Indians to the, to the indigenous tribes living in the region. So um, I think that is a very clear hint on how President Bolsonaro wants to handle indigenous issues. He, in one part, thinks that they are being manipulated by foreign entities, but in the other, he also sees uh, the, uh, an opportunity to, to bring companies to operate in that region too, in businesses that are unexplored. So what can we take from this particular project seeing as it's coming in the first few months of the Jair Bolsonaro government. In a way, I mean, and that's what many experts have said, it looks a bit like the construction of the road because um, many documents of those days uh, show that um, the military thought of indigenous tribes as, uh, as an obstacle to development. And uh, if we consider what uh, has been decided about this first big project in the region, um, that's that's the take we, we we see too. It's the same thing if you if you consider both. And of course, this time is different because we we're in a democratic society uh, and um, a legal battle is expected. So it's not as if uh, there's not going to be any any resistance to that to that project. 
but uh, differently from other times, uh, it is something people are talking about. People are not talking about building solar, solar energy infrastructure in Horaima. They're not talking about wind. They're not talking about uh, more thermoelectrics because they have a couple of them there. They're talking about building a major project with an energy line that goes through the middle of an Indian reserve. So it's a, it's a different approach and, um, and it's probably a hint on where Bolsonaro wants to take these issues in the future. This podcast was written and prepared by me, Ewan Marshall. Maria Marta Bueno and Gustavo Ribeiro produced the show. And if you like this podcast, rate us on any platform you may be listening to Explaining Brazil. It only takes a second, but it is really important for us. Many people have asked us how they can support this show, and the best way to do it is by subscribing to The Brazilian Report which is the journalistic company behind this podcast. And every day we have new content about Brazilian politics, finance and society. And we've also got exclusive newsletter services if you want to be briefed about what's going on in Brazil before starting your day. Subscribe now for a free trial and enjoy all of our content for 7 days. And it is really free, you don't even have to submit any credit card information whatsoever. So go to brazilian.report slash subscribe. And you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Our handle is at Brazilian Report. And that's all for now. We'll see you next week. Bye.